Welcome everybody to the show of the Everything Horror Podcast with me, Podolsky. And tonight we got a very interesting person. Now I'm only saying it like that because what is ironic is that this film that we're gonna be talking about was filmed in my home state and he's technically like my next door neighbor of a state. Uh, something like that. That's next door neighbors, we'll just put it as that. And it's really interesting to see that my home state, just to throw it out there real quick, is that we used to be a cool horror-loving state and do film festivals for the horror independent, and then all of a sudden it seemed to have died down. But in this case, it seems the light of the horror genre has once again made its way into my home state, which is Vermont. And without further ado, this is Christopher Wells. Hi, Christopher. Hey, how are you? (laughs) I am good. And um, thank you for reaching out and talking about your film that I can somewhat talk about because I haven't technically (laughs) seen it yet because it's on the film festival route. And, um, you know, Still awesome, though, nonetheless. Yeah. I still remember seeing that article about your film being posted on um, Seven Days, and I think somebody else might have written a article or something. But, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of local press, which was great. So, Oh, yeah. That, anytime cool. local press gets, in, gets involved, it's always good for the yeah. smaller people like you and I to get their name out there and to know what is being made or whatnot. Yep. Totally. But um, your movie is called The Warren, which yep. I'm ass- which came out or premiered for the first, I'm assuming the first film festival in, on the 26th of January of this year. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Luring um, premiered in Kansas city at, Panic Fest, and um, we had a test screening in New Jersey, and then from there we then basically did another edit because when you're editing a film, and then when you show it to a whole bunch of people, you kind of see your film in a very different way. And um, so after we sh- we did a test screening in Jersey, we were accepted at Panic Fest in Kansas City. Um, that was an amazing screening because we then recut the film and we made the film and we got a great response um, in Kansas City. Kansas City is a, is a really great um, horror town and um, that was a lot of fun. And now we're flying out to Detroit and for the Motor City Nightmares Film Festival. So I've never been there. I, I've heard good things. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to, to show the film in uh, Motor City, so we'll see how that goes. Well, congratulations on that, and it must be some type of like, hmm, relief that the film is done and finally out there for sure. And yeah. I mean, it's it, it can be scary once you get that film out there too, because you don't know how the general audiences will really respond to it at first but you know usually hmm some people i think just judge judge a book by a cover but in this case judge a movie by its cover a little bit too soon without maybe watching it 
twice or three times, if not more, but definitely <clears throat> more than once. Because once you see it once, it's kind of like, yeah, okay. But then when you really watch it again, you can sit down and actually appreciate the movie more because maybe you might have missed something that you didn't catch on the first go around and stuff like that, which in your case has um, something similar in your film, which we will get into with like hidden messages, which I find mm -hmm. very interesting. Um, yeah, I think it's important to, uh, it's also that one of the reasons why it's so cool to be in a festival is because everyone has to shut the fuck up and watch the movie where when you watch it on your computer or wherever, you could be distracted. People are, you know, watching porn on their cell phone while they're watching your movie on their computer or whatever, you know. And so it's kind of nice to have your film on a big screen where everyone, you know, the lights go dark, everyone's cell phones is off, and everyone has to pay attention. Where nowadays, where there's all these, like, different platforms, um, it's just very easy for people to be distracted. So I think there's, like, a lot of really interesting, great things and advancements for filmmakers now. But it's there's more there's obviously more platforms but there's nothing beats seeing your film in a dark theater it just you know it allows especially when you make a film like mine where there are hidden messages where you kind of need people to pay attention because the last thing i wanted to do was spoon feed my audience and i wanted there to be subtleties and and even with my short films i have i tend to kind of do things that are a little bit more subtle than and, and you know, and you have to kind of pay attention to it. And so, it's it's going to the to the festival. Um, you know, we play on um, April twenty sixth. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because it gives me an opportunity to, to to watch it while people are watching the film. And so, it's different. You know, it's different than watching it on the computer, I guess. Well, it's also just good because you know. I don't understand what the hell the point of is going to a movie just to be on your fucking phone throughout the entire yeah. time. And uh, it's just like, so what the hell did you buy your ticket for then if you're not yeah. even paying attention? So, yeah. so I find technology nowadays to be a real pain in the ass, especially cell phones. I mean, I can't really yeah. say too much because, you know, there's times where I just got to kind of peek because just, you know, the stupid notification came out or whatever. And it's just like, yeah. ah, I need to turn it off. I turn it and you try to turn it off and sometimes the setting doesn't work or something stupid. And <laughs> it's just like, uh, uh, so then yeah. now, now I just put my phone on goddamn silent and then just throw it sometimes. And then I forget about it. I do the same thing. I mean, I, you know, I, I was actually a little funny, quick little story. I was in the movie theater watching. A, I don't even know what movie it was. And this, girl was on her phone recording the movie like you know and and then snapchatting it and like and posting it on facebook and she's like you know three rows in front of me and i'm like what the fuck you know who does this so i got up and i said excuse me can you put your phone away and she like you know she put her phone away but then as i sat down she started to think about it. she goes well who's that asshole that told me to put my phone away so then she started doing it again and i'm like what the like, like i just want to see a goddamn movie like i don't understand why people are so rude and I, I guess it's because people are so afraid to reprimand some people like like when i was a kid you didn't do shit you know you you were afraid that you might get smacked now god forbid you you, you know you hurt someone's you feelings you know they're gonna they're gonna facebook about it and then you know and, and then you're gonna be ostracized because you know you, you you can't hurt people's feelings anymore so it's just it's just like this, well, this of world me. of entitlement so yeah, it's just kind of, I, I, I have a special hate for people that 
are on their phones in a movie theater. Like, I, I want to make a horror movie about like going after those people because it's just it's so annoying. And I think you should do that. Add the little small world short just to get the idea out. And I think <laughs> it would work perfect. Maybe some hands come out of the phone and like bash the face against the phone. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> teleport them into the movie and be like, pay attention now. <laughs> like like I just. Yeah, exactly. And to touch on what you were saying about, uh, as well as like, you know, you kind of hate it too. And it's just like, you know, I, I, kind of like you, I was brought up to be, if I, if you weren't a good boy, you weren't going to sit down for a week. Let's put it that way. And, yeah. um, nowadays you can't really slap anybody. Well, even a kid or whatever. So then they mm-hmm. don't learn how to actually do the right thing because they never were smacked because now yep. it's a child abuse thing it's apparently yep. so so what the yeah. hell? <laughs> so, no wonder yeah, why our generation sucks yeah it's kind of scary i think it's it just you know the sense of entitlement and uh I, I you know if you're on your phone in the theater it's bright and and your eye goes to that and i want to watch the movie and i just don't people know that so just put your fucking phone away so to tie it back into what the question was, I know we kind of went a little bit off, but I, I love the fact that we're going to be in a theater, I lo- especially with my film where there are hidden messages. Some are maybe a little bit more obvious than others in terms of, quote, hidden messages. So, some are messages that people won't even know, even if they dissected the movie a million years. It, it, it's like maybe like a hidden message for me. Um, but, you know, those things will, I'm sure, leak out somehow with, you know, quote, the marketing, um, you know, like for instance, like my, 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 the paintings in, in the, in the, um, film are all of my dad's work. He paints, he's, he's a Vermonter and he paints, um, these landscapes of Vermont and, uh, and he, you know, they're really beautiful work. And so I wanted to use it in, in, in the film. And so there's like, you know, there's like little things like that where I kind of get into, um, some nice little personal hidden messages that, once the film is, quote, out there, um, then I'll let those little secrets out. These little these little, little Easter eggs, I guess, if you want to call it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Easter eggs are always fun, too. And then yep. it depends on how many people can catch it on, too. Like, there is one hidden message that I was reading earlier where I was just like, hmm. I'm like, this, this seems interesting. And Maybe um maybe I'll just say this one and that's it. But because it, it's kind of really cool. Because I don't think I really would have thought of it either, especially the way you wrote it up and how it's presented in the film The War, and which um you were talking about a specific scene where the little boy is trying to play at a playground with the red and all of a sudden or a color, I mean, and then all of a sudden like had this red balloon. And then the mm-hmm. nanny comes over and, like, grabs it and lets it go in the air. And then, um, you know, you were saying, uh, what is it? Uh, the boy was saying, like, what time is it? What time is it? What time is it? Yep. What time is it? Yeah. For, like, three times. And then the nanny yeah. writes, or not writes, uh, says back 213, 213, 213. And I'm like, okay. But then as you, <laughs> I was reading, and then you're like, well, if you add it all up, what did it come to? And it's just like, oh, so yes, listeners, yeah. I'm not going to exactly tell you what it comes out to, but we're going to make yeah, you yeah. think about it for a second. So yeah. very interesting. 
Yeah, and, that, and that's, you know, that's, you know, you know I didn't want to make, it, it, it's very scary when you make a film that's not like other movies. Like, I, I, I didn't want to make a film that replicated someone else's work, or I didn't want there to be, you know, gratuitous sex or any, like, I just, I wanted to do, when I was writing it, and then when any time when I thought that I was getting cliche, I thought, "Fuck this! I'm, let me let me not go down that path. Let me go down this very unique idea." And for instance, like with what the scene that you're talking about, there are little nice little Easter eggs where something is happening, and you, you know, and it, and it works with the film, but there's an obvious reason behind it. And in that scene in particular, it's it kind of tells you who the bad force is, I guess, if you want to call it that. And without saying it, with, you know, without being overt. And, and I think that I, I particularly like movies where I have to put, I have to connect the dots. If everything is spoon-fed to me and I know everything by the end of the movie and there's no dispute, there's no intellectual debate about our interpretation of a scene or the movie or whatever, you know, it is, then it didn't really take me to a certain place that I want to be when I watch, you know, the films that I like. And, and I watch a lot of foreign films and they tend to, they, they, they tend to be more subtle in foreign films and American films. Unfortunately, I think that they kind of spoon feed the audience, everything. And there's, there's no chance of maybe having someone not get everything. And that's okay. There, you know, that risk is, 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 I think is worth it because just because the audience may not, get all the dots connected, they still are intrigued by it. They still, because we're curious people, we want to know, well, maybe I don't understand every little thing about it, but, but let me maybe watch it again and, and try, oh, shit, now I get it, you know? And it's like, we're curious people, and I kind of feel that, fuck it, you know, if, I, if I'm going to do a film, I, I, I don't want to, you know, I want to do something different. I want to do something unique, and, and um, you know, I, I want people to pay attention. And so it's, it was a lot of fun, but yeah, it is scary to show it to any audience, especially when you're doing something that isn't, you know, when girls aren't popping out their tits to, you know, to get people to watch the movie or there isn't, you know, gratuitous sex or anything. And, you know, it's, it's, I didn't want to rely on that because that's easy. You know, anybody can do that. You, you know, I mean, that's not the kind of film I want to make. And see that, that's where it becomes unique because that's where without the sex blood and rock and roll and drugs or whatever, you can do a lot more too without just showing titties and sex scenes all the time. And uh, there's nothing wrong with those films. I love those films. I just particularly as a filmmaker just didn't want to make one of those. I wanted to do something that was a true psychological thriller. It was a fucked up film that was fun to watch that at times I don't take myself too seriously as a filmmaker and it shows in the film because I think sometimes you have to kind of have that, those peaks and valleys, but it's a, it's a definitely a fun film to watch. But yeah, I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to rely on these easy tricks that I, I don't know. I just, you know, you know, there's you not so want to make something that's already done. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and again, I'm not trying to put those filmmakers down or anything like that. Cause look, I love those kind of movies that just as a creator, I just didn't want to, um, you know, my fan, my, I'm surrounded by artists, you know, my dad's an artist I was saying before. And, and I just, you know, he does, he, he does his own type of work. When you look at his work, you're like, okay, like he's got such a great talent for doing what he wants to do. And, and he decided 
early on, he didn't want to do something that, that everyone was doing that, you know, was like the in thing. So for me, for my first narrative feature, I just didn't want to take the easy route. Cause I just, cause I feel at the end of the day, it's going to give me more longevity because people will then be able to watch the film and rewatch it and be like, Oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Now I see it. Hopefully they'll see it in the first viewing, but if they don't, Hopefully I, I've intrigued them enough that they're going to want to see it again. And then, and then they'll realize, oh, okay, and now I, you know, this, this means this. And, you know, and they, they, they get into it. And then, it, you know, it's just this whole debate of what certain scenes mean or whatever, the hidden messages, and people try to interpret it their own way. And, you know, I think that that's what makes it fun. That's what makes filmmaking, watching it uh, fun. Oh, I 100% agree with you. And I wanted to touch on what you were saying like a minute ago about the whole, like you, you kind of go to the foreign film than like the U S or and stuff. And I think it's because, uh, excuse me, nowadays you, the U S has a, had two problems. The first problem is definitely remakes and reboot. They, they don't, yeah. they're, they're definitely running out of ideas of originality rather than trying to think some, think of something that can be scary like what can be the next scary thing really and the foreign country they're, they're all over the place and i mean <clears throat> like um how was i gonna go with this oh yes so with the foreign mo films you know they they give us enough to n know a little bit but that we don't fully understand it they still leave us with the with our imagination to kind of try to fill in the blank and I love the imagination because, you know, you can you can take something and you can try to figure out hundreds of different ways of how to take what you just saw. And then with the U.S. now, we have that problem where everything needs to be answered. Yeah. There's no yeah, more yeah. mystery. Yeah. And that, that sucks because fuck that. <laughs> you know, like exactly. I, you know, I, you know, I mean, I'm not an idiot. I want to watch something and I want to be able to have my, I want to be able to interpret things a little bit. If, if, if everything is spoon fed to me, there's no interaction. All it's, all then there is, is just me watching something and like, okay, well now I get everything. Now I, I move on. There's no discussion. It's only a discussion. Did you like it? Did you not like it? No, I want to talk about the meaning of that scene. And why did she keep saying that? And why did, why did he say that three times? And why did she answer it three times? And, 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 and what about that thing back there or whatever, you, you know, it, it creates a conversation and growing up as a geek and, a, and, a, and, and, well, I, I was a geek, but I was not, I was creatively smart, but not, school smart so i just have to preference that but growing up I, I i always liked going to the movies and then talking about it and discussing them and when there was a film that just kind of laid it all out there and that was it it just didn't create the best conversations and there were films that i loved that i watched back in the 80s that i still talk about and i'm still like you know wondering what did that mean or you know and, and i and i don't ever want to know I, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, there, it's nice to have some mystery to it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's a good example that I can actually say about this. What we're kind of touching on is, uh, look at like the original alien franchise. We'll just say one mm -hmm. to three. Okay. So we never learned about that mysterious ship that carried 
or had the alien xenomorph eggs. We don't know where they came from. They mentioned something a little bit about like engineers or because of the uh, engineer thing that we saw in the middle of the ship on the gun, the, the famous scene that everybody knows they loved. But now, Ridley Scott answered all of that or tried to. And um, and I'm only saying tried to is because I don't really know what the hell is going on with with that third and final trilogy of Ridley Scott because now with it being with Disney, I hear it got shelved and now I'm hearing no, they're still working on it. So which one is it? Because Prometheus kind of answered the engineer question of that ship a little bit. And then you got Alien Covenant of where the hell the engineers kind of come from, but not really. Like, like we kind of got a, an idea, but it wasn't really their home planet. But still, it's it's answering our question that were once a mystery, and now it's it's no longer really a discussion because we kind of quote know the answer unquote. Yeah, yeah. I I like a little mystery. I I kind of like not knowing all the answers. Um, you know, the Alien was a, was one of or is one of my favorite films. Um, I uh, really liked it. Uh, I, I I tend to like I, I did like Prometheus, but there were, I had a lot of problems with it. Um, but I, I you know for me I just kind of want I don't I just don't need everything spelled out. It's kind of like um, Jack the Ripper. They, it came out that they think that they solved the Jack, who was Jack the Ripper. They found a they supposedly a police officer came onto the scene where one of the women were murdered and took the scarf that, you know, uh, that she had and throughout the history of, of, of that, this family, it fell in the hands of someone that was able to take a sample from it. And supposedly they found out who it was, but there's a lot of discrepancy with that saying that it, it's not really the scarf and, and, and the, and the testing that they did doesn't really, um, exclude too many people out. So, you know, you can't really hold it as, as gospel truth. And the, the, the fact of the matter is, I don't want to fucking know who Jack the Ripper is because then there's no mystery to it. Then, then, exactly. then what the fuck am I going to be, you know, watching these documentaries for? If I, if, you know, it's, it's, it's like the one, the reason why it, it's so intriguing is because we'll never know who did it. And I'm, you know, and of course that's very different from my film. I mean, my film, you know, you do learn a lot, but just I just think that you you can be successful without explaining everything. And I and I think a little mystery is good. And I think that there's such a fear, especially when you do because my film is an ultra low budget. We raised two hundred thirty five thousand dollars for this film. So when you don't have any star power or whatever, and then you're also on top of it doing a psychological thriller. And because this isn't like a slasher movie or anything like that. So, it, you know, we have a lot of things that are don't fit in the square peg, basically. And because people in this stage of our film, they, people want our film to fit in a certain category. And we don't fit in a certain category because I purposely didn't want to do that because I, as an artist, as a human being, I like watching movies that aren't you know, perfectly uh, set in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a nice little defined box. Like, I, I like watching things that are, are a little bit of different things, you know, and, and, I, and I like weird shit, and I, and, I, and I like fucked up shit. And, you know, and so I wanted to make a movie that kind of re represented that. I wanted, 
I wanted my girlfriend to be like, what the fuck? Who the fuck am I dating? You know, like, I kind of wanted that, you know? <laughs> well, then I got a movie yeah. for you, then, if you haven't seen it yet with your girlfriend, then. Have you seen the French ver- the French movie called Martyrs? Uh, I I had to look it up on M- uh, IMDb to see if I ever saw it. Um, oh boy! From the from the way you are talking right now, you have not seen the movie because you because anybody that that has seen the movie would definitely know what the hell I'm talking about. So yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm pretty sure from the way you are talking, you have not seen it, and. I'll tell you what, man, within the first 10 minutes of that movie, not to shine on this light, but it needs to be, I think, known, too, for the fact that, one, if you're looking for a fucked up movie that makes you your girlfriend, definitely go, who the fuck am I dating? This movie is going to be it. Because at the beginning, we get a nice little family trying to chit-chat about their future. And then all I'm going to say is all of the horror, in this case, Start by the doorbell ringing. All right. <laughs> and that's all well, I'm going to say. I'll definitely check it out. I mean, I, I love, you know, I love, I love all films that don't necessarily um, answer every question. Or like, and There's a film, I don't know what country it's from. It's called, uh, I think it's called Dogtooth. And it's about this family that this guy, he, he doesn't allow his, his kids to leave the property. And he, and he, tells them all these lies to keep them there. And they and they just have these very weird, unusual social skills because they've never been off the property. And they and he says, once your dog tooth falls out, which is like your canine tooth, then you can leave. So of course they're trying to pull out their own teeth because they want to leave the property. And and I love that kind of shit because it's so because I want to watch something that I can't predict. If I can watch a movie and predict it, then half the fun is Already, already gone. I want to yeah. be able to watch a movie and be like, I have no idea what, what's going to happen. And and I especially like it when a director and a writer takes me down a path where I think I'm going to know what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden there's like, nope, fuck you. We're going to do something totally different. And and that, and that I love those kind of movies because why am I going to see something predictable? I, I don't want to see something. I know that people like predictable films and, and there is a place for that, but for the most part, I want to see something that I haven't seen before. I want to feel un- maybe uncomfortable or, or, or uneasy or whatever it might be. Um, I want to be surprised. I want to be like, holy shit, I had no idea that that was going to happen. I, I think that, and I think more, more filmmakers really, well, not more filmmakers. I think that distributors should be more aware of that and be more welcoming to that because they, they don't want to rock the boat. They just basically want to push what they know has a track record. So if you have a certain amount of nudity or a certain amount of X, Y, Z, they can kind of put you in a box and, you know, send you off. But once you start doing something a little bit different, they're not quite sure how to handle it. And then all of a sudden they realize, oh, fuck, people like different. And and, and then they're like, oh, you know, <laughs> we really like this now. And, you know, do another one of those different because now you've put it in a box. Now my different is now in a box and now you want me to recreate that so-called different. So, it's a fucked up world. Oh yeah. Let's just oh yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, to actually get into your film now, because I know we've been kind of going sidetracked with other things, because you know it's it's always fun <laughs> to 
get opinions on different things and, you know, tell people off, or well, not tell people off, but tell people what we think of certain things, like we were talking about with trying to watch a movie in a goddamn theater, but somebody yep, got yep. blown out. Well, yeah, it's all good. But, uh, so out of curiosity, uh, Christopher, is what actually got you into the horror genre and how, and how did the horror genre inspire you to want to write and direct your film called The Wolverine? That's a, that's a hard question to answer. I'll, I'll try to give you the 15 minute version. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I've always loved, I, I've always loved horror. I grew up watching The Twilight Zone, Tales from the Dark Side, Tales from the Crypt. You know, all, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, all, uh, Halloween, Friday the 13th, you know, even black and white horror movies. So I always felt very safe when I was watching horror, oddly enough. I know it sounds kind of weird, but as a kid, I, I liked watching, well, even Elvira um, Presents. I mean, she, it wasn't necessarily horror, but it was like fun, campy horror. But I just, I just always liked it. Um, and then... With my short films, if, if people go to my website, kpictures.com, like the letter K, they'll see the trailer for The Luring. They'll see other short films as well. And most of my short films are, I kind of categorize them as weird, fucked up short films. And I don't mean fucked up as if, like, someone's going to take, a, a, like, a razor to someone's eyeball fucked up. No, I'm just talking kind of like just fucked up weird shit. Not, they're, they're, they mostly are very dark and when i did a film called cynthia it it got some guy random person reporter saw my film and did a, an amazing review on it and somehow my film kind of kind of blew up a little bit we you know we got over like six hundred thousand views um which may not sound like a lot but for me that was a lot because all my other films you know I, I have nowhere even near that and so that film was able to catapult this idea of the luring because these investors saw that film, then started look, watching my other short films and said, oh, okay, this guy can make a film. And um, with my, the house up in, in Lindenville, Vermont, my mom, um, when my stepfather died, we, she could no longer afford that house. She, she lived in Maryland, but the Vermont was kind of like a vacation house for her. So she said, look, you know, I have to sell this house. And I said, well, can I shoot a film here? She said, yes. I had a very short period of time to write the script, even though I had like a script already in my head. And uh, we wrote it. We, we shot the first scene of the film. Investors saw that. They liked it. They invested the rest of the money. And we raised some of, some of the money also through um, online campaigns. And we shot the film entirely, uh, you know, in Vermont. And, uh, you know, I, I also wanted, horror is a genre, well, I say horror, but it's really a psychological thriller, but I guess it's obviously in the genre of horror, but horror to me, there always is a place for it. Even if you want to do something different, like I'm trying to do with the luring, it's, there is a, I don't know, there, there's always going to be an audience for it, where if you do like a campy comedy, if you don't have star power in your comedy, you may not, people may not see it. But with horror, you can use talent that may not be known, even though the actors that we use have done some things here and there, but they're not named talent. And with horror, it gives you that, that opportunity to show people that, you know, other people may not know who they really are named talent-wise, but, but they're, they are talented, and 
that genre allows us to sort of put the movie out there so people can watch it and they can accept it. Where if you do other types of films, if you don't have a star named attached to it, chances are no one's really going to see that movie. It's kind of weird. Horror gives you a lot of boundary, uh, you know, a, a lot of space to play with. And, 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 uh, and uh, distributors know that. They know that there's always going to be a place for horror. There's not always a place for other films if you don't play a certain way with them. I don't know if that answers the question or not. No, no, no. You, you, that's a really great way to put it, actually, because I was thinking to myself, well, yeah, well, horror is actually a great way to experiment as well, to really show yeah. us what you can do, what you can bring <laughs> to the table. And I will have to touch on the fact of what you just were mentioning about is you don't have a person in the film that nobody knows, nobody's going to see it, which kind of falls into a very interesting thing when it comes to like what you were saying with, uh, you, you know, you help get some fun through like crowd campaign and stuff. And it brings my next point of this, which is, um, you know, I talked about it before, but if you, if you were to create two different campaigns and one is a original idea with new cast members, right? But then we get the other film, which may have something to do with like, for an example, um, there's a fan film called like never hike alone, which is a Friday the 13th fan film. Everybody is going to support that over the original film because we already know what Friday the 13th is. We already know who Jason Voorhees is. So why would they want to risk putting their money into something they don't know versus something they already know? Yeah. That's why you have to invest. That's why you have to have investors. I mean, I mean, for me, it's a special case because we're, I wanted to do something totally unique. So we... That's why my advice for filmmakers is that if you want to be unique... And you're going to go down this path, which is definitely not easy because, again, people are, are afraid of different. Um, you have to shoot a scene from your film, show that scene, so investors can say, okay, because even though I made a bunch of short films and even though I own a production company and I, and I, and I work with different clients, people want to see what is the movie going to look like. If I'm going to give you my money, what is this film going to look like? I don't care about your other short films. I want to know what this film is going to look like. So you have to shoot a scene and you have to invest your own fucking money because you have to have, you have to have skin in the game. And so when investors know that you have skin in the game and you put your own fucking money into it, they're, they're more apt to give their money because they look at it. They say, wow, this is really cool. And you also invested your own money because I can tell because this scene looks like it, it costs some money. And, and then to top it off, you can round it with investing, I'm sorry, by putting um, an online campaign to, to raise some money. So we raised about maybe, I want to say maybe forty to $60,000 online, um, roughly around, because I, I don't know all the numbers right off the top of my head, but most of the money came from private investors. And, and I think that you're right. If, if, if you're going to do something unique and, and original, it's it's you're going to have a harder time raising money online because it's just it you have to understand what the formats are and, and and how these platforms work and i think a lot of people they think oh if i just put it on on 
Indigo or whatever the hell, you know, the online campaigns are, people, everyone's going to love it and they're going to get throw money at me. Well, it doesn't always work that way, especially if you want to do something original because it's just, it just isn't. But if you're good, if you're going to do like a fan film, then yeah, it's definitely going to be a lot easier to raise money because everyone knows who Jason Voorhees is and, and, and they just want to kind of support that because they want to, you know, they want to watch something that's of like, that's like that. Um, but you know, so I think it's important for people, filmmakers, to understand it's a business, and you have to approach it like a business, and you have to understand what is my film about, and how am I going to raise the money for this? And no matter what, you have to, I think you have to shoot a scene so people can see it. They can see an example of your work. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, if you don't have anything to really give us to know what we're actually going to be looking at, then yeah, people aren't mm-hmm. going to throw any money like at whoever is trying to raise funds. Instead, they're just going to be like, oh, whatever. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't, that goes back to the whole, well, I don't know if I want to risk my money to, to have create something shitty or something like, you know, like, yeah. so, and I hate to put it like that because, you know, there's a lot of cool ideas out there, but once again, if you don't show us anything or give us an idea of what the film looks like, as you were mentioning, then yeah, it's not going to work out so well. But there's a lot of filmmakers out there. It's weird because I, I go on LinkedIn every once in a while and I get these filmmakers that post these things like they want $3 million for their first fucking movie. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, I shouldn't reply to this because this person is clearly delusional, but there's a lot of people out there that they, they, they think, well, my time is worth something. So if I'm asking for 3 million for my first film, people need, the investors need to know that I put all this time. Investors don't give two flying fucks about your time. All they care about is, did you put skin in it? Or do, did, did you, are you going to risk your money? Cause if you're not going to risk your own money, then why am I going to risk my money? And plus, and then another point is, d- does this look good? If it doesn't look good, I mean, let's face it. I mean, no one's going to give a first-time filmmaker $3 million. So you really should make a film, an ultra-low-budget film. And, and that's what we did. I mean, I made the mistake years ago because um, I had this Hollywood producer that read a script that I wrote, totally different from the horror genre. It's actually a, it's a psychedelic love story. I'll put it that way. And he wanted us to raise $3 million. He wanted me to raise three million. And I don't, I don't know shit about raising money. And, and now that I've actually done a film from, you know, start to finish, I now know I should never have listened to that producer because I could have done that film for a fraction of the cost. And, and for, for the first time, for first time filmmakers, they really need to get a reality check and, Write the script that can be made. No one is going to give you three million fucking dollars unless somehow you're, I don't know, you're, you're famous or you're the child of someone famous or something. But it's for the rest of us that, you know, don't have a pot to piss in. You, you know, we have to be a little bit more realistic and we have to, um, it's a lot easier to raise an ultra low budget and make your film than it is to raise three million and never make your film. I mean, that sucks. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Now, I know you were kind of mentioning it uh, a little bit there, Christopher, about writing your script in a short time, but you wouldn't mind elaborating more of sure. how long that kind of took about writing the script to then direct the film to make it a reality. Sure. So what happened was when my mom told me she couldn't afford the house and she had to sell it. I mean, we had this house since 1989. So I was like devastated oh, wow. when she told me that she had to get rid of it. I mean, it's a small kind of, I don't, I don't want to say it's a cabin, but it's a, it's a, it's like, like the size of a cabin basically. And, um, so I had this idea of this short film that, that I, that I had written and it was kind of like a standalone kind of short film. I, I'm sorry. I had two of these short films that I, that I wrote. And I had this idea of this balloon that what if this balloon traveled within these two stories? And I, and I don't know why I was thinking that because these two stories really had nothing to do with each other. And so when the opportunity arose and I had a deadline, then your brain starts to work in a very different way. Because when you're just kind of writing and you don't really have a deadline, you don't, you know, you, you don't, you're not under the gun. So when I, when I had a deadline, because I, I had to write this script, I then I, I looked at these two script, uh, these two short films that I, I, I wrote, and I thought, okay, let me put this together. And the, the first script became the first scene of the movie, or the beginning of the film. And the last, the, the, the other script was the last part of the film. Um, actually, the scene that you were talking about with the kid and, and, the, and the nanny. And I then, so for me, I had my two points. I had my beginning and I had my ending. And all I had to basically do was connect the dots. How do I go from point A to point Z? And I just started, you know, working from there, um, you know, trying to figure things out. And, and, you know, some other ideas that I had in the back of my brain that I would then put forth on, on the computer. And if it didn't work out, that was fine. Then I would just kind of hash it out. And I just somehow worked it out. But the, the most important thing that worked out for me, and I think this works out for anybody, is ha I had a deadline. If I, didn't, if I didn't show my mom a script within three months, she, the house was going to be sold. Actually, she, 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 once I showed her the film, uh, sorry, the script, and I showed Brian Berg, who was, um, he's, you know, one of my uh, co-producers, we, we all felt, okay, something's, Something good is happening here. And so my mom then told the agent, okay, look, I'm, tell whoever wants to buy the house that we can't let it go till May 18th. And I think we wrapped May 12th. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, so it was, I, I knew that I, there was a lot riding on this because I, who am I to tell my mom not to sell her house? I mean, you know, she's 80 years old. She deserves to have her house sold and to have that money. So, one day the government can take it away because, you know, our government likes to take away money from elderly people because Medicare sucks, but that's a whole other fucking topic. But so <laughs> I, I knew that there was, you know, a lot of riding on this. And, and I think when you have a deadline, you, you, you just make it work. You, you write it because you have to. And it's a lot harder to write when you don't have that deadline because there's all these excuses to not write your story because it's, it's not easy because it's one thing to have an, like an abstract idea because it's very attractive. But once you put that motherfucker on your, you know, on, on your screenwriting and you're, and you're really hashing it out, that's when the real work comes out. And you really have to hammer these characters and you really, and then you have to show it to someone and someone's going to tell you that maybe this sucks and you have to rework it. And that's scary. So a lot of people, they like to kind of keep their ideas in this nice little safe idea box. 
But ideas don't do anything unless it becomes something tangible. And that tangible thing is the script. And you have to have a deadline. So there you have it with my uh, little... <laughs> I feel like I'm yelling, like I'm getting angry. I don't know if I'm coming <laughs> off. <laughs> I'm very passionate. <laughs> now, I'm actually a very chill dude. <laughs> the, right. Now, when you were writing the, the script, was there any scene that, that was originally in the script but when it came oh, down to, yeah, that oh, had to yeah. be cut out. Yes, yes. And so I wrote the script, and then we edited it. And when, of course, when you're shooting an ultra low budget, some things may not come out the way that you want it. Um, or like there was like this one scene that we shot in the car. For whatever reason, there was something. I don't know what happened with the camera that day, but it, it just didn't look the way it should. And Amanda McGrady is our DP, and she's fucking amazing. But there was just something that just didn't look right in that scene. And so I got rid of that scene. And then, well, the first cut was two hours and three minutes. And we then cut it. Then we cut it down to, I don't know, maybe one hour and 50 minutes, let's say. And we showed it at Jersey for a test screening and then we thought you know we should really bring this we should really trim this down even further and when when we because we obtained a sales agent Summerhill is our sales agent so they they're gonna they're selling the film worldwide right now um we got into this festival before we signed with them and so when i got the notification that we got into the festival i reached out to Summerhill and i said hey is it okay that i show it and they said yes yeah. If anything, it's just going to be free publicity. So, yeah, go for it. I'm like, okay, great. But in the process of getting a sales agent, we had all these other sales agents looking at our film. And they said, look, it's a business. You're going to have to do another cut to your film. So we did. We listened to them. Because we, I'm not going to be arrogant and, and, and think I know everything. And, and I listened to them. And it was the best advice I ever had. Because they were right. Because by the time we made that other cut, the film the film right now is solid, and and it and it you know you have to get your feelings hurt a little bit, you, you know you you can't you can't hold on to pride for too long because pride doesn't pay the bills, and if these people who have they distribute movies for a living and they're saying look you're gonna have to tweak your film a little bit to make it better so we can sell it, well you you better listen to them, and and again it was it was a growing experience because again this is my first. A narrative feature, you know, I did a I did a documentary that was a feature length, but very different from what I'm doing now. Um, and so, you know, I'm I'm, you know, you have to know when to listen to people and know when to tell people to go fuck themselves. And you don't tell distributors to go fuck themselves because you need them more than they need you. And if they're telling you, hey, you might want to you might want to trim this scene or trim it a little bit to get it down to a certain amount, you know, of time. You know, you got to listen to them, and 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 for me, it was a, it was a great experience because now, I I look at my film and I'm like, oh my god, thank God, thank God, someone outside of my little tiny film bubble said, nah, tweak it a little bit, and 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 I think that that, I'm I'm just very happy that that happened. I mean, at the time, I was nervous because I was like, oh, who the fuck are these people to tell me? And then I then after punching the wall a few times, I thought, you know what, you know what, I, I got to take it. You know, you got to be a man, you got to fucking take it, and, and, you know, you cut it, and then you realize, holy shit, I, I was wrong. I, I, I should have, you know, I, I'm glad I listened to them. So I was wrong by fighting it at first, and now I'm glad that I did, so. 
Right. There you go. There you have it. <laughs> the other thing that I'm actually kind of curious about is um, now how how does one go about trying to figure out what scenes should be cut out or or just trimmed down? So in this case, like, was it the distributors that were like, hey, it's this, like, well, this scene seemed too long, or maybe if you shortened it, or like, I'm just curious of the process a little bit, is how does, how do people really know what to take out, and when is it kind of too much? Well, it, that's a very interesting question, because in our case, what happened was, is that after when we showed it at Jersey, we kind of had a feeling what we knew we had to cut out, and then we did a cut, and then we had a uh, producer rep, uh, Ryan, I can't think of his fucking last name right now, but um, Ryan was our producer rep at the time, and he was showing it to a bunch of different sales agents. We actually had about five sales agents that we could have signed with. We ended up signing it with Summerhill because we just kind of liked them. We just felt that they were a good fit. Now, through this process, we, had, we were talking to maybe, I don't know, maybe seven or eight or ten, I don't even remember now, uh, sales agents. Obviously, some people said no, it wasn't the right film for them. But some people were, you know, were saying you have to cut it down. There was this one sales agent that wanted us to cut it down. He had all these fucking notes. And I kind of didn't agree with some of them. And my editor, Lucas Labataglia, and I, and, and also Brian, we kind of didn't agree with everything that he, that he was saying. But we, we, we agreed with some of them. So we started cutting the film down because it was, it was the same kind of feedback that we were getting from some other sales agents. And, but then we realized that this guy wanted us to make a film that, was, that explained everything. He didn't like any weirdness. He didn't like anything that was a little different. And so he wanted us to cut out all that uniqueness. So then we, we had a conversation with Ryan. We said, you know what? We want, we want weird shit happening in our film. We don't, you know, we don't want people to watch our film and, and, and think, you know, okay, this is just a vanilla movie. Like, we, we want weirdness. And Ryan was like, yeah, well, you know, you, you made a film that, that, that has really these really nice colors in it. So, yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't cut everything out. So we, didn't, we ended up not listening to him, and we actually basically told him, said, hey, we, we just don't think we're the right film for you, because when we were looking at his library, or their library, we realized that none of their films had anything that I would like to watch, basically. They were all basic kind of, they were horror movies, but they were kind of, you know, you, you watch the movie and you kind of get it, and there it is, and okay, great, you know, the, the, the naked girl got slashed up, okay, you know, I've seen that before there was nothing unique that he had in his library. And so we thought, you know, it just wasn't the right fit. So you, you do have to kind of understand, well, who's telling you what to cut and what is their main objective. And with Summerhill, they always just, I always felt that they had our best interest at hand and they were just very nurturing. And when they made suggestions, it was, it wasn't like they were trying to tell us what to do. It was like, it was suggestions. And, and I think as a fragile filmmaker, cause let's face it, all filmmakers are fragile as fuck. You know, it was nice to have that kind of diplomacy from them telling us these nice suggestions. And it worked out beautifully because again, we then took those suggestions and then we, then did things that we didn't even think about until we had, we heard those suggestions. Like there's some scenes that we totally recut and made it even better than what they were suggesting. 
And if it wasn't for that opportunity to have the film in front of these people, we never would have gotten to that point. And again, once I'm, you know, now that I see the film, I'm like, oh, thank God. What was I thinking with that two hour and three minute cut? You know, now it's like, you know, one hour and 38 minutes, minutes or one hour, you know, whatever it is, you know, and it's like, holy fuck, thank God other people intervened and told me, hey, Chris, you know, you need to chill the fuck out a little bit, maybe cut that scene down a little bit, you know? <laughs> so it, it's, it's nice to, it's nice to get your ass kicked a little bit, <laughs> you know, it's just, it just is. You have to. You have to. You have to roll around a little bit, get dirty, and you know, and you can't. You can't cry about it. You know. Yeah, and that's the that's the problem with nowadays. Sometimes is that uh, there's too many people that cry about it. Unfortunately, yeah. but yeah, and it's just you know, how else are you going to be able to learn? Like you're saying, like you know, thank God for these people that told me, and I wouldn't have any idea, and then. Now you like the film better than it originally was with the two hours. So, yeah, it helped a lot. And the but, test yeah. screening is, like, probably the best way yeah. to get your answers. So, and I mean, yeah. people yeah, will be straight really up well. with you. Oh, yeah, people will yeah. be straight up with you. Yeah. Now, um, you know you know how when it comes to, like, we were talking about um, at the very beginning when it comes to familiar faces or something – now, how did it come down to finding the right casting crew to have in your film? I, you know, that, that's another, you have a lot of great questions. That's a really good question. Um, I think that a lot of films cast people that really shouldn't be in the movie business. A lot of people, when I, a lot of times when I see these ultra low budget films, I'm thinking, oh my God, what the fuck were they thinking about this casting? And there, there is there is such a thing as star power, and and I think you you it's just a feeling. And when we casted our film, we we saw a lot of great talented people, but the people that we ended up with, I feel like Rick, the the, the main lead in the film. I think that he just has a charisma about him that I want to watch. Same thing with Michaela, who played uh, Claire, his girlfriend, and. Uh, Molly uh, played this other great character, and Dan, who plays this. I mean, we just we. I I looked at these people, and I, Mary um, McGloon is was is my a friend of mine. She's also my casting director, and she also acted in the film. When we were casting, we just you go on a feeling. Now, obviously, they have to have experience, and you have to make sure that they're SAG, and you have to make sure that they you know they've done certain things, so they're not going to forget the lines and all that other shit. When they walk in, there's just this unbroken feeling that they can carry the movie. And they have a certain kind of movie star kind of quality about them that I think that all of them are going to have great careers. And I think that, you know, you just have to kind of go with your gut. And um, I think all the actors that we hired, I, I really feel that, they, you know, they, they are very watchable. Where sometimes when I watch a movie, especially with ultra low budget films, I, I think casting is so important. And if you don't get that right, you're you're really going to make it hard for yourself to make money. And I think, and and I'm not talking about people that need to be attractive. It's not it's not that. It's a charisma. It's a it's a certain it factor that they have to have. And and we really lucked out. I mean, we, you know, we were casting in New York City, so we you know which helped because we got you know, everyone that wanted to be in the film. 
So we, we, we saw, Jesus Christ, I don't even know how many people we saw, but we saw a lot of people. And um, the process that I think is really benefited the film because I think, again, we just, we just got kick-ass actors. They're all just, they just have a quality about them that you just, you know, you want to watch. And so, and I also think it, it, it worked out. We got a lot of female support because they liked the fact that there was a kick-ass girl in the movie. They also liked that there wasn't any gratuitous sex but yet there, it's a, it, there's a sexiness to it. You know, you, you can be sexy without being, you know, gratuitous. And so we had a lot of great support with women that were like, okay, great, finally, you know, good. You know, like, you're not going to stoop down to that level. You're going to show other things and other facets and other, you know, talents and, 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 and a way about things, go about things that aren't going to be, um, you know, the cheap way. And so that was nice. We, even when, when I even got letters from girls that uh, women that, that, that went for the audition that they knew they didn't get the part, but they, they were like, you know what? I really hope that your film does well because you're not doing like a sleazy, cheesy fucking film. Again, I, I love those movies at certain times. I just didn't want to make one for myself. And so it was nice to kind of get that positive reinforcement from all these women. Cause I think women have awesome ideas. They have great opinions and they kick ass. And I think if you can make guys and girls happy and intrigued, you, you've got something. And uh, so I thought we did that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just to throw it out there, I mean, let's put it this way. Women can make movies, too, not just guys. Yeah. And yep, sometimes exactly. the women can make the most ridiculously fucked up shit that a guy I don't think would ever think of, too, from what <laughs> I've seen. So it's like, wow, uh, <laughs> I don't know who's worse, women or men. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think with, with, our, with our film, with, with, with Amanda, um, our DP, she was great because she looked at my, she looked at an early writing of my script. And she looked at one of the scenes that I had a scene where it just was not, it was just stupid violent. It, it didn't fit into the movie. It just wasn't, it's just not that kind of film. Even though my film is violent, it, it just, this scene didn't work. And she just very nicely said, do you really want to have this scene in your movie? And, and, I, and I knew by her voice, I, I thought, let me relook at that. And she was right. And, and, and I think if it was a guy, like none of my guy friends picked up on it. And she did. And so I really owe it to, and also my girlfriend and also my mom. I mean, there was a lot of very strong, independent women that looked at my script and made sure it wasn't going to suck. And, 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 I, and, I'm, and I'm very um, lucky to have women in my life that they don't, they don't candy coat shit. They tell me the real deal. You know, they're not, they're not going to try to stroke my ego or try to, you know, they're going to say, look, you know, the, you know, they might be nice and, and diplomatic about it, but they're going to they're gonna let me know, and, I, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I was just going to say, too, um, that before is, uh, you know, between men and women, I do find that they're, that both genders have, like, a equal thing when it comes to making films anyway for the horror genre, and it's, it's just really cool what people can really think to come up with, and, like, um, one lady I'll just give a quick mention to you because, like, when I watched her film, it literally blew my mind to bits for a little bit. And because of the, I think it's because of the way she 
did it, and I haven't really seen any type of psychological horror or thriller, depending on who is listening, I guess, um, mm-hmm. kind of have it. Like, I haven't seen this type of film in a long time, so that's probably, or maybe haven't really, to make you really think, like we were mm-hmm. talking about before. But this movie is called Three Eye for an Eye. So I would definitely check that out. It's by a lady named Lou Simon or Simmons. Mm-hmm. I apologize right now of uh, if I butchered the last name the first time. But, um,. You know, very nice lady. Um, I definitely just think that she definitely should have that movie more out there because um, it's it's really cool, and some people just don't like it because they find it to be predictable. But I couldn't, I could not find it predictable, and I just think it's just the haters out there that just want to hate. But what do I know? There's a lot of haters out there, man. You know, and 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 the internet ain't you know doing. They're, they're not hurting the haters; they're helping them. And yeah, there's haters everywhere. You know. Oh yeah, well it it sucks too when like you know some people try to reach out to the fans to know like what they like to try to incorporate whatever they mention into either a game, movie, whatever. It really doesn't really matter what they're trying to get help with, and um, sometimes it can go fifty fifty, and sometimes it can actually do really good, or it can be so bad. That it's just like, why did you listen in the first place? So yeah, it's it's really hard to even like with you guys. You it sounds like you guys knew who to actually listen into versus falling into a trap where it's just like, well, maybe you did this, and then it could have butchered your movie entirely, and then you oh. probably wouldn't even like it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, even like with my short films. Um, again, if people go to my website, kpictures.com, um, they can see the trailer for The Luring. I mean, The Luring has a website, too, theluring.com, and that's T-H-E-L-U-R-I-N-G.com. But if they go to my website, kpictures.com, they can watch some of my short films. And with, like, for instance, Cynthia, you know, it was kind of like a psychological kind of, like, thriller, you know, that I made and took me a day to shoot it. And I just was kind of having fun doing it, and it kind of blew up a little bit in a, in a good way. But, of course, I get these assholes commenting on YouTube, you know, saying whatever. And, you know, you just can't let them bother you because you have to focus on the fact that I made a fucking film, you know, and, 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 and it got me to make another film. And, and, and I'm thankful and blessed to have this opportunity. And if you listen to all these assholes that hide behind their computers, that they know that you'll never find out who they are, you know, they're just a bunch of pussies. And why are you going to listen to them? So it's very easy for people to spread hate um, and you know, fuck those assholes. <laughs> you, you, uh, you reminded me of a story real quick. And that is, uh, one of my buddies recently actually put out his debut film. It's called the incident at Montauk. And, um, it's a UFO movie, sci-fi movie. And so there's this one review that came through. And this is what I loved about this. So this this account was recently made because clearly this person wanted to shit on two films. And I'll explain in, like right now. So the reason why I think it's fresh and new is because this person went on to my friend's film. And I believe this might have been the first review he did. And he completely... And 
in the review, he said, man, I love the found footage. I mean, I like to give anything a shot, but this film just blows. It just sucks. It's a horrible acting, horrible ending, shaky camera. And I, and I stopped there and I'm like, wait a minute, shaky camera. I'm like, yeah, yeah. you love found footage. There's going to be shaky cameras all over the place yeah. because that's what found footage is. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then um, another film that I saw and interviewed the writer and director and actor for is called The Night, or Night. Sorry, Night. Not The Night, but Night. And um, this, is, this was also this guy's debut film, like, feature ranked. And the same person rated a one star and said, this is goddamn horrible. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm so confused because I thought, I thought you loved the found footage. So I'm so confused now. Well, you know, with with Yelp and and YouTube and all these ways of, of putting your opinion anonymously, it's, it's very easy for people to be secret assholes. And it's very hard, you know, to tell someone to the, to their face, you know, you think that their movie sucked. Because, you know, it, it, most people wouldn't do that. And, and there's just more diplomacy when you are approaching someone in person if you don't necessarily like their film, but you can maybe find something that you did like about it or the fact that, hey, they, they, at least they made something. But on YouTube or Yelp or all these other places where you can put, put in your BS review, it's very easy for people to, you know, be these assholes. And it, and it just sucks because, you know, I don't care how bad your film is. If you've made a movie, it is hard to do, and that requires a level of respect. Even if the movie sucks, at least they did something, and at least you can, especially if they're doing, if they're trying to do something different. At least they're trying to do something different because it's so easy to do something easy. It's so easy to do something that is that has been done before, or you know, whatever. And and I think people, you know, should just respect the fact that. Filmmakers deserve a level of respect, even even if you don't like their movie. Just you know, why hate? You know, I mean, I just it just I don't I just don't people more, maybe people need to smoke m- more weed. You know, <laughs> <They> should, <laughs> people need I mean, to chill more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jesus Christ, smoke a joint, chill the fuck out. I mean, really, is it that bad that you have to you know ferociously type on your little computer that you hate something? I mean, really, like. Don't you have any, I mean, that maybe you should jerk off or smoke weed or something because something, something's not right, you know? <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Well, I, I'll have to touch on two real quick because you, you once again reminded me of something that I usually do too or, or is like, so when I usually, whether it being on Facebook or whatever, if I have a chance to reply to some idiot that's trying to bash on a film, the one of the one of the replies I literally do, and I kind of piss off the other person to the point because, so like we're just talking about, they'll go on and hate the film and blah blah blah, and they give no respect for the fact that you were saying that you know at least they made a film. So yeah. my response would be, "Hey, how about you make a fucking film, and then we're gonna judge your film." Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, I get the technical response. Well, I can't do that. Uh, no. <laughs> Everybody can. Everybody can make a film. So, I mean, you know, with technology nowadays, just use your goddamn phone. 
and that's how you can make a movie. You don't yeah. really need the uh, the expensive stuff, but I mean, a phone can work just as easy. But yeah, I usually say stuff like that, and of course, I usually get the whole "Well, I don't have time for that," and I'm thinking to myself, "Well, you can you have time to sit behind your fucking computer and fucking type this out?" Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I, I usually use this program that my friend developed, and basically, I'm allowed, to, I'm able to find the address of where these people live, and I just show up at their house and I just murder their dog. And <laughs> <laughs> I just hack into their account no. and I send them a dead, ba- uh, a dead, pa- uh, their dead puppy or something in a box. Yeah, yeah that's you know, that creepy. I, I, I had the preference that I actually love dogs, and no dogs were killed in that joke. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no dogs or animals were harmed while recording this podcast. We love yeah, animals. Exactly. At least I do. <laughs> Wait. Anyway, I'm pretty sure we're all animal lovers here. So I'm pretty sure yeah. I would have killed. I'm pretty sure then Christopher and I would go to the, whoever, maybe your house, whoever's listening, your house, because you are the fucking idiot that maybe abused the dog or killed the dog. So now, guess what we're going to do? Christopher and I are going to come in, smash your fucking head in, cut off your fucking tongue, and then we're going to feed it down maybe inside of your asshole. Wait, what? (laughs) Getting back on topic, though. um, We digress. yeah, Yeah, digress that. Yeah, think about that. You don't want your tongue cut off and shoved up your ass, do you? All right be good now we were talking about some of your challenges a little bit there christopher about you know trying to find a location which was your mother's property and uh you had a short deadline for the uh the script which was three months you said and you had the one particular scene where the camera would be in all fucked up and whatever and it didn't work (laughs) so you had to cut out the scene now were there any type of other challenges while filming Oh my God. I mean, yeah, it rained for 15 consecutive days and my AD comes up to me and he says, I've never once saw a movie where it was going to rain for 15 consecutive days. So we somehow worked it out. There's a beautiful scene um, that we shot. I can't remember the lake right now. It's not Lake Willoughby. It's, oh, I can't think of it right now. Um, but we, it was raining and we were waiting for the rain to subside. And Not Lake Champlain, right? Say that again? Not Lake Champlain? No, no, no. It, it's a small, small lake. It's, um... Oh, God, I can't think of the name of it right now. Um, but, but, so we set up the dolly. We're waiting for the break in the rain. And we got this break. And, and Michael, my AD, says, look, we've got maybe 15 minutes to shoot this scene. So like, okay, fuck, you know? So we set up the actors, and I say, look, I hate telling my actors this, but we probably might only have one or two takes of this. And I'm like, you know, I'm sorry, but, you know, that's just the way it is. Even though our shooting ratio was primarily about maybe one to four, but whatever, that's a whole other thing. But anyway, so we set up the dolly. We had this beautiful break in in the rain. Um, We dolly in. The actors fucking nailed it. We were able to shoot two or three more takes of that, but it was the first one that that they got, and it was the first one that, that we used. Um, it was just, they, they just did it perfectly. And we were able to shoot some coverage, but when we were in the editing room, I kept looking at that, just that one slow dolly shot. And I thought, man, there's no reason to cut. 
there's let's just let's just let the camera do its job and it and it just worked out really nicely um but you know there's always like challenges when you make a, a especially an you know an ultra low budget film because you know you 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 have to wear many hats like continuity i was the continuity guy we we couldn't afford to have someone be our script supervisor so i basically had to do that and make sure that you know the, the what they were wearing was the same thing that they were wearing over here and you know um you know if we called cut or if i called cut then you know we're changing the camera angle then you know i have to make sure that that person stepped over here and not there and you know whatever and um so you have to wear many hats i was obviously the writer director producer but i was also the pa <laughs> you know I, I i had to scrub the floor because it was mud season and all that mud came into the house and my mom was selling the house so that was uh, you know a lot of fun um but yeah there's always there's always challenges because we don't have we didn't have the money to fuck up and and when you're working with a film and when it's raining you have people coming in and they're set for their schedule again we were working with sag actors and so, you know, if they're going to come in for day one, day two, day three, and you can't shoot day three, that you can't keep them for day four. Like, they have to leave. So you have to think on your feet. So there were, there were some scenes that I originally wanted it to let to be in the woods, but then I had to change it because for whatever reason. Um, there was one time when, when Amanda got violently ill and she was throwing up. I don't know if it was food poisoning. It definitely wasn't from our catering. Our catering was great. But she, she couldn't shoot. So our AD had to step in. Not our AD, our AC had to step in and shoot a couple shots. Um, th then she was able to come back. I mean, she's a fucking, you know, trooper. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there was so many little things that, so many little and big things that happened during the shooting. But Vermont is a, a great place to shoot. But I wish that there was a film commissioner here um, getting catering. There was only one caterer at least in this part of Vermont, everyone else is in Massachusetts. So it was hard to get a caterer, but the one that we got, we really liked. Um, it's hard to get crew here because everyone's really in, in New Hampshire. I'm, I'm sorry, in, uh, Massachusetts. Um, I think, um, Amanda lives in New Hampshire, but, um, Southern New Hampshire. So, I mean, Vermont has its own unique, um, you know, kind of, difficulties because it's not like shooting in new york where like you know if you want anybody you can get it vermont you really have to do you have to search another thing that is weird about shooting up here and i and i love vermont but one thing that was weird is that we reached out to these acting schools because we needed kids and these a lot of these people never even they they wouldn't write back to us there's there was no sense of urgency and i remember we we finally did the casting you know we had a be very creative to get these these actors to, to, to you know on the set um and then you know during the movie and even after the movie i would get hey are you still shooting your movie yeah i found some actors for you they're they're in my acting class i'm thinking what the fuck like, if this was new york you write to an acting class or an acting school you're going to get a response in the next you know four hours or less you know there was no urgency with a lot of these people and i felt that they really lost their opportunity to be in a film because there's not too many films being shot in Vermont, you know? And so, so it was a little strange not getting that sense of urgency from some of these people, but we, we lucked out. We, we thought outside the box and were able to get all these kids to be in the final scenes in the film. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, anywhere you're going to shoot, there's always going to be Murphy's law. You always have to try to be in front of Murphy's law. So, you, you know, you're trying to outrun it. 
but Murphy's Law will always catch up. There's always going to be something that you couldn't predict, and you just have to, you have to think on your feet. And for me, um, you know, shooting a lot of my short films, there was always, you know, problems shooting um, because, you know, I, I primarily work with a very modest budget, and you just, you just learn how to roll with it. You just learn how to rewrite the scene or rework it where, you know, you're not going to lose time because you're not going to get everything that you, you need sometimes, but you, you're, you're definitely going to get everything that you want, and there's a difference. And you have to understand that as a good director how to, how to manipulate the situation in your favor. And uh, it's a compromise, but you're, you should never leave thinking, I didn't get what I wanted. You know, um, so Could that I don't know if that helps it? or not. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. did it. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, I, I'll touch on what you're saying about Vermont. Vermont is kind of weird because, like, I'm actually was shocked when I saw, like, the article going around from, like, seven days and uh, whatever the other site was that I saw. Mm -hmm. And, like, because I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is a state that fucking chewed on my friend's short film that he did when that I kind of acted in a little bit to help him out. Um, it's called... Uh, Dead Static is actually available on YouTube, Chris, if you wanted to check it out. And okay. um, But when when this film first came out on YouTube, Vermont people blew up about this film. And I'm, and I'm talking like, like bad. Like people hated this film for whatever reason. And then once people from out of state started to come in or even out of the country people started to love it and it's just like you know vermont is so fucking weird to me because it's just like i i just feel like vermont doesn't like horror so it really shocked the shit out of me when i saw like <laughs> seven days talking about a horror film being made here and i'm like wait what are we am i talking my home state is like not going up about this like what the fuck so <laughs> Yeah, I just I just don't understand Vermont half the time. But then again, we used to have a uh, film festival here too, but then it, I guess, died or whatever happened to it. Stop going around, and this used to take place in Burlington, I believe, if I remember correctly, okay. somewhere around that neighborhood. Anyway, but yeah, it's just so cool. So I congratulate you on the press release for this. <laughs> Thank film you. Because, yeah. Uh, I don't know what the hell is going on with Vermont, but that was definitely a shocker for me. <laughs> yeah, I I would love you know Vermont. I love Vermont. Vermont has a special place for me, and it always will. And I and I hope that there could be more films shot in Vermont. I mean, uh, Vermont has such a. It's just there's just something special about Vermont, and it there just is. And and I, and I and I and I really. Yeah, and, and, and it breaks my heart when I drive around and I see all these businesses that are out of business. And, you know, people in Vermont, I find them extremely intelligent, very passionate, um, I, and, and very um, kind of like soft-spoken. And there's an intelligence and, a, and a something very special about that. Where in New York, it's, it's very different. In Vermont, it's, I always love coming up here. And I think Vermonters really deserve the best. And I, and I would love there to i think horror is is a you know vermont's a beautiful state but i think it's a great place to shoot horror and i and i wish that there was a film commissioner here i wish that they just uh, were able to attract more people uh to shoot here because 
Lord knows, you know, Vermont needs the money. I mean, it's, you know, some of these towns, I, you know, I feel so bad, you know, these towns that are, you know, really hurting. And, it, you know, it would be really nice for local economies to, uh, you know, to, to support films. Because, you know, when we were shooting here, even though our, we were a little tiny film, you know, we gave a lot of businesses a lot of money. I mean, we, we made a lot of friends. And it was really nice and gratifying to help out the local community. And that was just our little tiny, rinky-dinky little tiny film. Imagine if there was more films shot in Vermont. It would really help the economy a lot. And I, and I, and, you know, I, I hope that maybe, I know that there's a few festivals in Vermont, but there seems to be a few people in Vermont that are pulling the strings and not, they're not really allowing other people in. And it's, it's unfortunate. Oh yeah, I I agree. I just I just think part of it must be some of the Vermont community that just I don't know just hate on everything or something. I don't know. I really don't know. But it's just so odd that they would attack a filmmaker for trying to make a movie here in Vermont. Sometimes, like like we kind of were when we tried releasing or when the friend that I made when making Dead Static with them, like um, you know, it was just. It was just really weird to see that because usually when it came to Vermont with me, I always see um, small, supportive people, businesses, whatever. And, you know, I don't think I've ever really heard of Vermont, like, really bashing on anything. But then when Dead Static came out, oh, my goodness. It it was just horrible. Um, There was a lot of negativity at first. Yeah, that's too bad. It sucks. It's you know, it, it you know, it it sucks when people are mean to filmmakers. I, you know, it's it's hard enough to make a film. It's even harder when you have people that don't support it and go out of their way to try to bash it because it's you know, it's not an easy business. You know, when you do any kind of art, you're vulnerable. You're putting your art out there for people to look at, criticize, take in whatever. And you know, when people are assholes about it, it it's just you know, obviously you have to have thick skin, but you know, it's also, don't be a dick, you know, I mean, really, you know, I mean, like, keep it to yourself, or just keep it within your friends, but, you know, to go out of your way to try to make someone feel like shit, it's, you know, there's some psychological bullshit going on, it's, you know, it's just, I don't get it, just, you know, people must hate themselves because they're bashing others, it just doesn't make sense to me, I just, you know, it sucks. The only thing I can just think of is, like, you know, like we were talking, well, like I was talking about earlier with that guy who made that fresh Amazon account and one starred the two films that he supposedly loved found footage, but whatever. Um, anyway, the point that I'm trying to make is internet has become the new way to become your own critic. So it's, it's just, you know, they, they get to say whatever they want and it, they don't care and whatever. It's just whatever. Uh, internet is just a whole new topic anyway. But, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, uh, you know, for, for my next film, I'm not quite sure where we're going to shoot it. I'm, I'm working on a, uh, on a few things right now and Brian and I have to kind of, um, kind of talk because I think we're both kind of itching to do something different. Uh, you know, do do something again, and uh, so you know, maybe we'll shoot something in Vermont, maybe not. I mean, it you know, it was it wasn't easy. I, I just wish that there were more people shooting up here because I think Vermont has a lot of opportunities. But 
yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, when you're when you're thinking about having a, a, a catering and and all these other crew people, and if and if you gotta, you know, if they gotta travel, you know, it can get costly, and um, it's kind oh, yeah, of you know, in like for instance, in yeah, you know, well, because you have to house them in New York. Like, I can get a crew, and then everyone goes to their apartments at night. I don't have to pay for housing, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of like all of a sudden you just saved, you know, five thousand dollars. You know, <laughs> so oh yeah, it, I don't even rem- remember what we spent on the uh, the Airbnbs, but we were shooting it during mud season, so everything it was an off season, which is good for us. But any other season, you know, it would be a lot more expensive. So we were lucky to, that we were shooting in in mud season. Actually, we were shooting it from I think it, I don't know when I think it was like from May, April thirteenth to May fifteenth or something like that. That was, and we would shoot for five to six days, and we'd have two days off. And, oh wow! Um, yeah, so we would we would have been shooting now, you know, actually, and and the weather, it was like this: it was very wet, and it was very muddy, and there was still snow on the ground right before the day we were shooting. We we didn't know how we were going to deal with that. Thank God it melted. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I guess you. I guess you need to bring out the uh, hair dryers, man, and yeah, some, like um, I don't know, like some heaters or some shit. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> God, it was scary. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, right now the war and is actually out doing the film festival route now. For the future, though, can are we? Once, uh, you know, the war and is done with the film festival route, are we going to be able to? see it out on like vod or dvd yeah 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 totally so basically i actually had a meeting with well phone meeting with summerhill yesterday and they have it they're talking to a whole bunch of different people um for many different platforms not only for the united states but basically worldwide so they have a worldwide contract with us for three years and um where yeah it will be showing everywhere and um obviously once we get that release date i'm going to send you an email and say hey let's do a follow up interview because then you'll be able to watch the movie and we'll be able to have a different kind of conversation with it um but yeah i mean right now it it, it, it will be shown on many different platforms and i got the okay from summerhill that brian and i will be able to once the movie has a release date we will be able to show the film in theaters in vermont so it will play in st johnsbury if i can get another theater to play the film great i I hope so um we 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 actually may even have a theatrical release it depends if these distributors agree to it or not you know who knows but oddly enough it's, it's a lot of money to have a theatrical release, and a lot of films don't even go that route because it, it doesn't make financial sense. Unless, like, you're a big Hollywood movie. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about, you know, little films like mine. But regardless, we will be showing it at in St. Johnsbury, and hopefully there will be another place in Vermont. I'd love to show it in Burlington because I love Burlington. Um, and if, you know, Bring it over to Vermont. <laughs> I would love to do it. Believe me. I mean, any theater that, that would show the movie, we'll, we would love to do like a little tour with it. Um, and we got the okay from Summerhill to do that. So it will be shown. And, and, um, but we're just waiting for the release date. And, and I don't know when that's going to happen. And Summerhill said, look, it's, it's very common 
at this stage because we just got signed with them maybe four months ago, maybe maybe something around there. So it takes time for things to develop. They still have to, um, you know, get a lot of. Uh, you know, they they have the film out with with a lot of different distributors, but they it, it it's very common for this to be in the quiet stage. He called it. Um, it there, there's nothing to be alarmed about. We just have to wait to see what these people say. But it you know if you look at Netflix and Amazon Prime, you know you see a lot of different movies. We're definitely going to be shown. Um, so they're just you know hammering away and, and selling the movies. So it I, I'm excited to. Uh, Show it in, in Detroit, but more importantly, I would love to show it in Vermont. Oh, my God. Fuck yeah. Bring that film back to Vermont. Let, let, let Vermonters see it because, you know, if it wasn't for Vermont, we wouldn't have been able to make it. So I'd love to be able to show it. Awesome. Yeah, Vermonters definitely, well, um, I don't know if we always de- deserve the credit, but, I mean, I mean, <laughs> we have we have been, uh, had some pretty big, well, yeah, I guess I would say pretty big names run through here. Like, um, you know, besides your film, we also can say we actually had, you know, Beetlejuice come in here. We had them come in here to Vermont. So, I mean, I don't know how many people actually even know that, but yeah, Beetlejuice, yeah, Beetlejuice came to, um, oh God, um, I'm just going to say some town in Vermont. I can't really remember the name right now. It's like East, huh. East Cornish or something like that. Huh, that's East. awesome. Yeah, and I, I was shocked when I learned about that. I was like, really? And then I was just like, oh, cool. And then they're actually thinking about bringing Beetlejuice back to Vermont this year for a for like a screener night or something, like oh, wow. like a uh, anniversary thing. That'd be great. I love it when 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 people when states or towns do that. It it makes it fun. Brooklyn, where I live, they they well they kind of do that a lot. It's fucking Brooklyn. <laughs> it's always nice to kind of to have to to see a movie uh, in in where they shot it or they have special screenings. It just makes it cool, especially for places like Vermont. I think it's it's very special, and I think people would like to to join that. I think that's awesome. Oh yeah, and um, to wrapping up your uh interview here there christopher is i kind of want to yep. know um just what are some what are the details for the uh motor city nightmares film festival that you were talking about well i don't really know quite a bit you know it's my first time going there i i don't know how much press they're really going to get um all i know is that there's going to be some horror celebrities there and I, I guess as a filmmaker, I'll be able to rub elbows with them. Um, I'm not much the one to get autographs, but, you know, I'm totally down to talk to people. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, we get a good crowd to see the film because in Kansas City, we packed the house and they loved it. And I'm hoping that that's going to happen in Motor City. I've never been to Detroit, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, it basically, I have to basically go there and, 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 and experience it before, um, you know, I really talk intelligently about it. Uh, I'm hoping that I have a fun, I, I think I will, I think I'll have a good time, but you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I kind of wish that they were going to do a little bit more press. And, and when I look at their website, the one thing that I wish they did is that I wish that they had a link to the film because no one, when you look at, when you go to the Motor City Nightmares Film Festival dot, uh, you know, their, their website, um, 
you know, you know, you don't really know what these films are about. You go to their schedule and there's nothing to click on. And so I'm kind of mm. thinking, okay, well, how will people know what movie to watch ahead of time? Now, I know that they're going to spread our posters around. It's because it's, it's at this really nice hotel and they've got all these like movie screens that they're going to be showing the film that. But besides the posters, I would think that, you know, you'd have a link to the trailer or to the website, you know, so people, people are going to be in Detroit. They're going to be like, what the fuck is the luring about? And so, um, obviously, like I said, there will be, we sent them 50 posters, so hopefully they'll hang them all. But, you know, for the people that, that are thinking about it, that may not be, you know, you, you want to entice them. And I, I, I'm not quite sure, again, I'm not trying to put them down or tell them how to do their film festival. Cause obviously they've been doing it for a while and they're, they're, they're getting a lot of people, but I'm just a little surprised that, that it's a good suggestion. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just kind of wish that there was a link to the, to, because I, I don't even know what to watch. There's all these names. I'm like, well, what movie do I want? I have no idea. I mean, so I, I mean, part of it, it's kind of nice to maybe not have an idea about it, because you know, you kind of go in there with no preconceived notions. But I don't know. I mean, I, I may, I might only want to watch a certain type of horror film, and and if I can't click on the link, then how do I know? So it's, it's a, it's a, it's a different experience, you know. We'll, We'll see what happens, but hopefully we'll get some, you know, something out of it. And, um, but more importantly, or not more importantly, but with Summerhill, they're selling the film and, and that's a bigger kind of deal because there, there really isn't any money in the festival market. Basically, the only thing that you really do with the festivals is basically it's marketing and it's, uh, trying to obtain a sales agent, which we already did. So for this, it's just pure fun. Like I'm going to go there. I'm going to get shit-faced. I'm going to watch my movie, shake a few hands, kiss a few babies, you know, and, uh, you know, <laughs> just chill out, you know, have fun. Maybe kill a couple of animal abusers. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, why not, you know? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> no, um, well, thank you, Chris, for your time, and thank you for reaching out. And um, just for those listening, so if people wanted to learn more about the war and, and – anything about you again where can people keep up to date on what's coming out with you and and uh keep up with the war and well the, be the best place to go is to is my website is kpictures.com like the letter k and there they'll see a trailer for the luring they'll see some of my other short films uh you know I, if people like fucked up short films they'll like my short films if they want to learn just specifically about the luring, they can just go to T H E L U R I N G, theluring.com, and you know, they can read more about it there. We try to post stuff on our social media and all that kind of stuff, like our Facebook page and whatever. Um, but, you know, kpictures.com is probably the best or easiest place to go to to learn more about my other projects. Because, like I said, I am, I am working on some other stuff. And um, right now I'm concentrating on the luring, but. You know, I do have other projects that I definitely want to do. And when you get that itch, you got to scratch it. So <laughs> hopefully <laughs> I'll be true. good to come soon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, once again, Chris, yeah. thank you so much. And uh, for those listening, good job. And if you haven't killed an animal, we are proud of you. Because if you have, Christopher <laughs> and I are going to bust open your door. And you're going to wish we had him. <laughs> All right. And on that note. Thank you. You're welcome, and everybody, thank you for listening. And then don't forget, just lock your door, sit tight, and burn that fire log because you just never know what is going to be happening within the woods. And until next time, don't get lured. Stay scared. <laughs>
Ah, <laughs> nice. <laughs>